We're on the record. I'm Sheila Katz. Good morning. Before it was Maryland's official team sport, before many across Maryland fell in love with the game, before tens of thousands attended matches at Johns Hopkins or the University of Maryland, lacrosse was known by the indigenous American people who invented it as the creator's game. Lacrosse has grown in popularity in recent years. The International Olympic Committee announced last October the sport will again feature in the Olympic Games in 2028 for the first time in more than a century. But some fans say lacrosse has a problem. High equipment costs and team fees exclude many would-be players. Plus, athletes of color competing in lacrosse have reported racial harassment and hostility. A Baltimore lacrosse organization is trying to change the sport. The goal of Black Slacks is, quote, to bridge the gap in lacrosse and make it accessible to all, close quote. Coach Lloyd Carter is one of the founders of Black Slacks. When he joined us last November, I first asked how he describes lacrosse to people who don't know it. Uh, lacrosse, uh, they say it's the fastest game on feet. It's played with sticks. Um, where you actually, your the major skill level in lacrosse is being able to carry the ball in your stick. Uh, you can't touch the ball with your hands, so uh, the most important skill is to be able to catch, throw, uh, run with the ball in your stick, uh, and then shoot. And when you shoot, there's a goalie in the goal, similar to hockey, similar to soccer. Um, and it, it's a lot of the on-field movement is similar to soccer, hockey, and basketball. So it's a combination of those sports. Tell us more about some of the barriers that black young people face in getting involved in lacrosse. Uh, probably the biggest barrier is exposure, not knowing about the sport, and uh, just having uh, places to go where they feel welcome to play. And as you stated earlier, where it's affordable. So, yeah, exposure to the game and um, the ability to afford the uh, opportunity. How much of a hurdle is the cost? It, with anything, if, if you really want to do it, you'll find the money. Um, and I, I, I've said that for years. But if you're coming from a, a very impoverished location, having that disposable income may not be readily available. But, you know, in this society, you got children buying $300 tennis shoes and $1,200 cell phones. I mean, so it's all about the priority where you want to spend your money. Lacrosse equipment, the amount of money uh, it takes to purchase that has come down drastically. There's a lot of organizations that donate equipment. Our organization really tries to work hard to make the experience very affordable. So um, it's not as much of a barrier financially as it was in the past. Well, tell me more about how Black Slacks works to overcome the barriers and get more young people in Baltimore involved. Well, we have a, uh, a indoor program that starts uh, the first weekend in December. We, we're working with uh, Baltimore City Parks and Recs, and the, the location is the Myers Pavilion. With Black Lacks, we're sponsoring the event, the event, but we have other inner city programs that we help spawn Baltimore lacrosse, Baltimore City lacrosse community, 
the, the Baltimore Terps, Baltimore Lacrosse Elite, and Charm City, all of us are partnering to uh, make this experience uh, affordable. And so we'll be using that not only as the opportunity to introduce uh, players to the game, both uh, boys and girls, uh, men and young men and young women, We'll introduce them to the game. We'll teach them the basic techniques, and then we'll have competitive games. So that's what we try to do. We try to make, uh, over the years, the lacrosse is historically, traditionally a spring sport, but we try to make sure that people have access during the winter months with an indoor arena. And then in the summer, we have summer programs as well. How many young people do you expect to take part we're looking forward to um, over the past few years. We've had two to three hundred during the winter season. Not only do we have um, young children, elementary. We go from elementary to middle school to high school, college level players as well as adult level players. So we call, cover all all of the uh, gambit. This is On the Record. I'm Sheila Cass speaking with Coach Lloyd Carter, a coach with Black Slacks in Baltimore. We're talking about sports access and lacrosse. You yourself grew up in Baltimore and had a long playing career in the sport. How, how did you first get involved? Uh, I always tell the story that my older brother, Bennett Carter, we call him Bunky, God rest his soul, he uh, introduced me to the game in the late 60s. We grew up, we were originally was born in, in the McCullough Projects. We left the McCullough Projects in 63. We moved to Edmondson Village. And my brother went to Edmondson High School where he was introduced to the game. And he introduced me to the game just by bringing his stick home. And um, I played in the neighborhood, in my neighborhood, within like a four block radius, everybody kind of gravitated to lacrosse as well as all the other sports, football, baseball, basketball. But that that small knit community really focused on lacrosse. Back then you couldn't play any type of organized lacrosse until you got to high school. So by the time we got to high school, we had pretty good stick work in Edmondson High School from um, the 70s until the, I would say, the mid-80s was a powerhouse in, in lacrosse. So that was really my introduction through my brother playing at Edmonton High School. I did fairly well in my senior year. I made All-State, and I got recruited to go play at Morgan State University. There have been several high-profile incidents of athletes of color in lacrosse reporting racial harassment. Last year, the women's lacrosse team of Howard University and HBCU was greeted by racist taunts and threats before an away game at Presbyterian College in South Carolina. Coach Carter, what are you hearing about the culture of the sport from the young people you help get involved in it? Well, for the most part, it, I mean, it's just society. I mean, we live in the United States of America. That some people have uh, negative views of people who are, aren't of their same ilk. And um, and so every now and then you'll hear things said, um, but you know you, you don't let it affect you. You move forward. I mean, you can't can't control people's behavior. You can only control your behavior. So the key is how do you react to it? I was there's several documentaries about the Morgan State program, 
And then one of them, they talk about how they used to outright, uh, I don't know if I can say this word, they used to call it the N-word or n in the field. And the coach would say, well, you can react to it or you can just go a goal. And um, that's how we that's how we dealt with it. We, you know, we couldn't control what they said or how they said or how they treated us. We could only have control over our reaction to it. Well, do you think coaches and sports officials are doing enough to make the sport welcoming to athletes of all kinds? Oh, yeah. It, it, I don't think it's a problem with the officials. Um, throughout my career as a coach and as a player, I've always had great, great um, relationship with officials. And the coaches, for the most part, I don't think they uh, perpetuate it. It's just individuals who, like I said, in society, they just they have issues. So it, it, it's not a deterrent factor at all. How have you seen this sport benefit young people who play it? Well, I can I can speak to a lot of uh, cases. I know on our Instagram page, we've started a series uh, saying, I am Black Blacks, and we've interviewed uh, several players who have come through our program and where they are now in life. And so we've seen that the sport of lacrosse and the fellowship that you develop throughout, and I can look at my life, uh, like I said, I was born and raised in the projects, grew up in West Baltimore, but lacrosse gave me an outlet, and I've had a very successful professional career or careers um, and I would definitely get, put a link to lacrosse to my success. Um, lacrosse is, uh, gives us an opportunity to assimilate into a, a society that sometimes is difficult to do, but that gives us another way to assimilate into that society. Tell uh, me one of those I am Black Slacks oh, stories yeah, that sticks so with stories, you. There's so many stories, though. One, I guess, I mean, uh, I'm probably biased, is my son, Lance Carter. He grew up playing lacrosse, watching me play. He ended up um, playing in college. Then he went to Salisbury State University, um, and he won two national championships there. He left there. He played pro lacrosse, and then eventually he started his own program, which is Baltimore Lacrosse Elite. Um, which is uh, partnered with us in, in this upcoming uh, venture. And he uh, he now works for Harlem Lacrosse, which is a uh, program that promotes lacrosse and education in the inner cities. You know, he did well. And I'll just add one real quick. There's a gentleman named Kenny Brown. Uh, Kenny Brown started in our Black Lacks program. Um, and he's done extremely well. He has... <laughs> He has two sons that played with black. He has three sons that played with black lacks. One, uh, we recruited and played for us at Hampton University. He's he has his degree. He has another son, Justin. He's getting ready to become a freshman at Fair uh, Fairfield University. You know, it, it's a list. The list is phenomenal. We got guys that are CPAs. We got guys that are attorneys. And you put a mic in front of them, they'll tell you the benefit of black lacks. Lacrosse is extending its reach, in addition to the International Olympic Committee announcing that for the first time in more than a hundred years, the sport will be part of the Games in 2024. Professional lacrosse is returning to the free state. Premier Lacrosse League said it will base its Whip Snakes franchise in Maryland. What does this news mean for today's young players? Well, it's, it's more um, opportunities, uh, exposure. 
As far as the Olympics, the Olympics is is was announced a couple weeks ago. They're playing the Sixers format, which is five on five with a goalie. And that sport is the new uh, format that is very popular of lacrosse. Um, it's similar to a basketball game. The field is shorter. The pace is a lot faster. Um, the skill level is a lot uh, more developed. And um, it's a, a lot lot easier um, to manage because you don't need a large, say, 30 to 40-man roster to, uh, to field a team. So you think it's going to generate more interest among oh, the young definitely. people you work with? Oh, definitely. I'm uh, I'm involved in the NCL, the Next Collegiate League, and uh, they play the Sixers format. That's where that's, in my opinion, that's where the game is going. One because it's easier logistically. To me, it's a, a more a more exciting game. And it's easier to uh, field teams. It's easier to, like I said, have field space. And uh, it's going to help to grow the game. And now that it's officially in the Olympics, that's going to grow the game even more, just like, you know, how the Olympics help to grow other sports like basketball. Coach Carter, thanks for talking to us. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Coach Lloyd Carter is one of the founders of Black Lax. Black Lax is set to host its 10th annual Devon Day celebration with a lacrosse tournament in August, co-sponsored and hosted by Catonsville Community College. The annual festival features games for all ages, food, and family activities. You can find out more at the On the Record page at wypr.org. Short break now on the record when we're back. Athletes with disabilities competing at the highest level. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us. Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. Access is key. In sports, athletes with disabilities face unique barriers to competing. It can be hard to get the right kind of equipment for the sport they want to play, or sometimes they hear discouraging words from the people around them. The Kennedy Krieger Institute's adaptive sports program, the Bennett Blazers, brings together young people with disabilities interested in a range of sports. Last November, I spoke with two members of that team. Landon Brown is a Bennett Blazer. He's a teenager now. He's been treated for cerebral palsy at the Kennedy Krieger Institute in Baltimore since he was two. And coach Jerry Herman joined us, too. He's managed the Bennett Blazers program since it started in 1990. I asked Coach Herman how the Bennett Blazers first came together. Well, the idea is that the uh, physically challenged children obtain the same benefits and uh, advantages from participating in sport as their able-bodied peers. Um, when we came to Maryland in 1989, there were no programs 
for disabled youth, no organized programs uh, like there were in other regions of the country, like the one we came from in Boston. Dr. Charles Silberstein brought us down to start one and um, we got it going. We started out with uh, three or four young kids and uh, it, it grew uh, exponentially after that. Uh, and we kept expanding types of programs, types of athletes we could include. And uh, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. How big is the are the Blazers now? Uh, we see about 100 athletes a week. Um, from ages 2 to uh, 18, and then um, some of our athletes that were in the program for multiple years uh, were having difficulty transitioning to adult activities, so we started some adult adult programs. We have an adult sled hockey team and an adult wheelchair basketball team. Landon, what sports do you play, and, and which is your favorite? Um, so at the Bennett Blazers, I play wheelchair on their uh, youth wheelchair basketball team, as well as their youth uh, para track and field and swimming team. Um, I really enjoy wheelchair basketball the most because I get to travel the most and I make a lot of new great connections when I travel across the country. Wow, you're a triple threat athlete. Explain the rules of wheelchair basketball for us. I mean, is it much different than the rules we'd see in the NBA? Um, It is really not that much different. The one big difference is there's no such thing as a double dribble but just like in the NBA you have to dribble after you take two steps in wheelchair basketball you can touch your wheels twice and then you have to dribble offensive three seconds is still a thing as well 10 seconds in the back court over and back so it's very similar to the NBA hmm That's Landon Brown, a patient at Kennedy Krieger Institute and a member of the Bennett Blazers Physically Challenged Sports Program. We're also joined by Coach Jerry Herman, who runs the program alongside his wife, Gwenna. This is On the Record on WIPR. I'm Sheila Cast. We're talking about sports access for people with disabilities. Coach Herman, creating a team means mobilizing people to work together and build something. How do you build and manage a team with athletes who are all coming with such unique needs and abilities? Well, through our um, combined years of experience, we've been able to deal with almost any type of physical disability and adapt our our program to their needs. Um, We also have the good fortune of building up an equipment closet that uh, right now we have about 50 uh, junior wheelchair basketball chairs so usually someone coming in their first day, like this weekend, we got one, uh, we got two new, two new athletes, and they were able to get into sports wheelchairs immediately and change, change the way they push. Landon, at the Move United National Track and Field Competition in Alabama this past summer, the Bennett Blazers placed first, beating out 44 teams from 35 states. How did you prepare to compete at such a high level? Um, it's a, it's certainly a lot of training, um, and the goal uh, of the training is to prepare for those nationals each year, and our coaches, Jerry and Gwena, do a great job of giving us a schedule to uh, prepare ourselves, but to not overwork ourselves, because after all, we are kids. We do need that very important rest, so I give a lot of credit to the coaches for creating us a very nice training schedule in order for us to be in our peak form when we do go to nationals. And and you yourself, what do you find you really need to focus on getting ready for a tournament? I'm just 
getting in the right mindset. Um, that's a big thing whenever you play any sports. Our coaches say that uh, believe to achieve is one of our big mottos at the Bennett Blazers. So getting in that mindset that I can win the race or in wheelchair basketball, I can sink the game winning shot. So I just try to focus on being positive on the track, on the court and in whatever sport I play. Coach Herman, you've been at this 33 years, just in Maryland. What have you learned from the kids you've coached in the adaptive sports program? Um, I think I, I think for the most athletes that they can achieve what they believe in, just like Landon said, that if we can give them the avenue for success, it can change their lives. It can give them the confidence uh, that they need to succeed in other areas. But one of the things that we're most proud of is how many of our athletes have gone on to achieve success in other areas like medicine and law and et cetera. Um, when a lot of the kids come into the program, it's the first time that they – oftentimes can let their guard down uh, because they're with other similar individuals and it allows them to grow and flourish. Do they surprise you in some ways? Sometimes they surprise, but more often we surprise them. That uh, That's one of the things that I enjoy the most is teaching, again, teaching athletes that they can when they think even the athletes themselves think they can't. Um, one of the bedrocks of our program is swimming and our goal is to get every athlete to learn how to swim. Even if they learn how to swim and then decide that they really hate swimming, it's a really r valuable uh, life lesson. And it's something that shows them that they can overcome their fears uh, and achieve things. Landon, what is your advice for people who might have a disability like you and want to get involved in sports but may feel intimidated? Well, what would you tell them? Um, a lot of it is just finding the right people and like Jerry said, when he started here all the way back in 1990, uh, there wasn't there weren't many programs around. But now here in 2023, there's a lot of programs and you just have to find the ones that are right for you. Um, and I think that's the big thing is, look, each person may have a disability, but hey, we're all different people. So you have to find the program that is right for you. How, how can you go about doing that? Um, there's plenty of websites. Uh, like you said, Move United is a great one. I don't know very much about different areas of the country, but I do know I see a lot of athletes. I know that there are places around the world uh, and around this country that you can find. And you just have to look hard because I guarantee you it will be worth it once you find that right place. Well, I'm grateful to both of you for talking to us. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for this opportunity. Landon Brown is an athlete on the Kennedy Krieger Institute's Bennett Blazers team. He's also a patient at the Institute. Coach Jerry Herman and his wife Gwenna have managed the Bennett Blazers' physically challenged sports program since it started more than three decades ago. The Blazers' wheelchair basketball team advanced to the NWBA Varsity Wheelchair Basketball National Championship on Sunday. That tournament is scheduled to take place in Richmond, Virginia from April 5th to 7th. You can find out more information about adaptive sports at the Kennedy Krieger Institute at the On the Record page at wypr.org. On the Record's director and engineer is Ashley Sterner. Maureen Harvey, Melissa Gear, and Sam Burmas-Dawes produced the program. John Ahrens wrote and recorded the On the Record theme music. 
I'm your host, Sheila Cast. This is On the Record on Baltimore Public Media. Thanks for listening. Join us again tomorrow.